What a mighty God we serve, amen, saints? God is so good. Welcome to church on Wednesday nights. I hope you're doing okay. I don't see too many visitors, but if I missed you, it's nice to we welcome you to Living Word Church. I'm one of the pastors here. My name is Ben, so glad to have you here. God is good. He's faithful. He loves you. We love you. If you're watching online, welcome. Look forward to seeing you soon. One quick uh, announcement. Um, Sister Jean Camerata is approaching her time with the Lord quickly. So we just want to pray for her tonight. We want to pray for the family tonight. Sister Jean was such a faithful sister in the Lord, serving many years in the kitchen here in church. Her husband, who passed before her, spent many years at the school volunteering and teaching at the school. So what a, what a force. I, I went and saw her uh, probably a week or two ago, and she was vibrant and healthy. She was yelling at me how I got to help the church out. And then the nurse came in, and she was told the nurse, this is an Italian sausage. It says Italian sausage on your menu. This is an Italian sausage. I looked at the nurse, and I said, she did the same thing to me. It's just... <laughs> and she, you know, Sister Jean, she sort of did this to me. <laughs> I'm just saying, Ben. I'm just saying, Brother Ben. You know, she was wonderful. What a, what a blessing. I can remember, I was, I was thinking back on my memories with her, and, you know, she was always our lunch lady, which is one way, but then I, we went on our trip to Israel back in 1994, three, four? I think it was 94, because I was a senior. 94, December of 94, I believe it was, and we were in Jerusalem near Ben Yehuda Street, and we stayed, at, we stayed at a hotel in Jerusalem. I had to confirm with Brother Brian that that was true, and it was. And we were late at night at a table playing games. I think, Sister Linda, you might have been there. And we were playing a game called Wink, I think it was. And spoons on the table, you had to sort of wink and make eye contact. And that's Sister Jean. I always purposely make sure she lost. So I, I, she'd always be the last one. She'd always be mad at me. So that's how our friendship started, at a table playing Wink. It was funny, so we always joked about that. She goes, you're going to just keep winking at me. I'm like, I'm about to wink at you. <laughs> so it was funny. So what good memories we have growing up in the church together. Amen, saints? So can we lift her up in prayer? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you, for the, thank you for the church, Lord. Thank you for the people in the church, Lord. Thank you for saving souls, Lord. And we, we're, we want to uh, lift up Sister Jean tonight, Lord. Sister Jean Camerata tonight, Lord. We lift her up before your throne, Jesus. We just ask that you touch her, that you be with her, Lord, that you comfort her, that you know she's at peace, that you give her that feeling of peace, that you surround her with your glory and your presence. We know that heaven awaits her soul, Lord, and we know that they're rejoicing. They're rejoicing. We know that she's just starting in life now. We thank you so much for her example. We thank you so much for her service to this church. Thank you for bringing her into this church, for serving so many of the young people, Lord for serving so much to the people in church, Lord. We thank you so much for her testimony, for her example. Help us, help us in some way to do the same as she was, Lord, in her service to the church, so faithfully, even to her dying breath, telling her family to get back to church. Lord, we pray for her family tonight that you give them comfort, that through this salvation can come, that they will meditate on your son, Jesus Christ, and remember who he was and who he was to her, a savior, a redeemer, someone who saved her soul, and, and she will be 
fellowshipping with in eternity, Lord. Just touch that family on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, help the word for tonight. So saints, it's so good to be with you tonight. I'm going to start off in Galatians chapter 2. I hope this word can be an encouragement to you, provoke you a little bit. Tonight I want to talk about, again, the church a little bit. I've been sort of out my heart, the church. What a blessing it is to be part of a church, amen? I hope you feel blessed to be part of a church. If you're not, uh-oh. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. This is, the, this is Paul writing to the church in Galatians. He's speaking about, if you read this chapter a little bit in this area, he's sort of speaking about um, um, the Old Testament law, this part of chapter 2, the Old Testament law, which still reigns, uh, and he doesn't want it to go on. He's wondering if Jesus died in vain. The church, we know that Jesus did not die in vain, amen? We know that Jesus did not die in vain. And tonight, I sort of want to talk to you about this topic, personal preferences and the church. Our personal preferences and the church. How do they work together? Paul here was writing to the church of Galatia, as I mentioned. It's sort of in the modern-day Turkey region, where Turkey is today. If you can picture where Turkey is. Can you? It's a good geography lesson. Um, where Turkey is today, that's where Galatia was. And Paul's talking about there were some churches there. And Paul's writing this letter that was supposed to be told to the churches. He writes in the first part, to the churches of Galatia. This was his intention, to write to the churches. And I write to you, why is this important to note? Why is this important to note that Paul says this? It's important to note because Paul was not just, this letter was not to be posted on the bulletin board and left alone. And if you pass by it, you might have read it. It was for some, it wasn't for others. Paul wanted to make this letter known to the churches. Churches, read this. This is important for you. I want to I share something with you that God, the Holy Spirit, gave me. It's important. This is what Paul wanted to say right off the bat. To the churches. He wanted his, the pastors and the, and the elders to, to read this, talk about it together, then share it with the church. Maybe they read it off a, off a pulpit or however they met in church in home fellowships. Maybe the pastor went to each home fellowship or an elder went to each home fellowship and, and shared the message. This is what Paul's saying to us. This is what Paul wants to hear from us. It's important. It was meant for Christian learning. Paul's letters to the churches were meant for Christian learning. They were meant for Christians to grow, how to behave in church, how to learn about Christ in church, how to learn about Christ with each other, how to learn about Christ going outside of your community. These letters were to churches to strengthen the church, to fortify the church, to grow the church. Paul had it on his heart, I want to grow the church. He's told the Galatians people, your foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church was Jesus Christ, and we'll see this later. You see, Paul was saying this, collectively to the believers coming together, the church, us tonight. Many of us read Galatians chapter 2 and think, I have been crucified with Christ, which we have. I no longer live. Personally, Ben, it's the faith in me that should reign and should help me make my decisions. Not me, but the faith in me should come out when I think, when I speak, 
The faith in me should help perceive my decisions, my interactions, my offenses. How do I deal with certain things? What should come out when I'm confronted with those in the church is my faith. My faith should pour out of me. My faith should emanate from me. God should come out of me when I'm frustrated. God should come out of me when I'm happy. God should come out of me when I'm offended. God should come out of me when I'm encouraging. This is what Paul was trying to tell the church. But what's interesting here is that Paul is telling this to the church. Church, I want to encourage us tonight this. We, as a body, have been crucified with Christ. Together, collectively, as a church, we are to, we are to exemplify this example as individuals. Yes, 100% as individuals. But we're also to do it as a church. As a body together moving forward. Not individual pockets doing this and doing that and doing over here and doing over here. As a church, Paul's concern was that the church would become divided. Paul's concern would be as time went on, the church would start doing their own thing. Some would go back to obeying the law of the Old Testament. Some would go back and saying, it's not about the law of the New Testament, it's about Jesus. Some would go back and honor certain people. Some would say, it's not about people. You see, Paul's concern was like, no, church, church, you have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live as you used to as a body. Christ, the faith, comes out of the church. Faith should come out of this church. Living Word Church, I want to encourage us tonight. Faith collectively needs to come out of our body. How we respond to each other needs to be uniform and united in Jesus Christ. How we proceed out in this community as we grow. Do you realize God's vision of churches was to grow? Was to not stay the same? God's vision of churches was to go and get bigger, divide, grow and get bigger and divide, grow and get bigger and divide, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a church, that should be our mindset. As a church, what can we do to help further the gospel? This was Paul's heart here to the church. I have been crucified. It's no longer us who live, but Christ lives within us. Can I say it like this? Is that okay? Thank you for that. One amen. And the life which we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Hallelujah. Amen, saints? Paul's concern was that the church understand that the church knew that they belonged to Jesus Christ and don't forget it. Don't forget that you belong to Jesus Christ. As I said, even in your own life, 100%. But the church, our thoughts, our words, our actions, our activities, our works, our relationships as a body, they all belong to Jesus now. They all represent Jesus. They all show Jesus' love. What a thought, saints. What a thought that Paul was putting on the Galatia churches. What a thought that he had to put on their hearts. Could you imagine? Church, your behavior, your attitude from here on out, it's not about what you think. It's about what God wants you to do. Wow. That puts a lot of trust in your pastors. That puts a lot of trust in your elders. That puts a lot of trust in them to help that they're hearing the Lord. Amen? This is why now you start to hear eyes. This is why the scriptures say, pray for those who have rule over you. Do you see why that happens? Because they have a charge. They have to give an account for something. If you're an account for the church, that the church is being led of the Holy Spirit. 
What a vision. I had this, I've been reading more about the tabernacle. It's what a, what, a, what a wonderful vision of the tabernacle. In this sense, there's a description of how Moses would go down alone. The tabernacle was away from the people. The people had camped away, separated from the tabernacle. And you can picture this. Moses would have to intervene for the people and have to hear from the Lord. He'd have to walk down. And it says he walked down. And as he walked down, it says every man in their family would stand sober, quiet, upright, outside their tent. Could you imagine every person, every family, outside of their tent, quiet, sober, and they would watch Moses. Single, walk down. They watch him enter. It says they watch him enter, and, and he would disappear into the entrance of the, of the, where the tent that held the Holy of the Holies. And as he disappeared in that tent, the people would see a cloud come down, and the cloud would just surround the Holy of Holies and disappear. And the people would start praising the Lord and start worshiping the Lord. Why did they start praising and worshiping the Lord? Because they knew that the Lord was telling Moses something. The Lord, the Lord, the, their, their leader, if you will, that the Lord put over them was, was instructing them for their behalf. Maybe it was discipline. Lord, don't say anything. We're sorry. We're sorry, Lord. Maybe it was where we don't next. Lord, give us a safe travel. But the families would start to pray and worship together. You see, this is not something new that the Lord would tell a man what to do and people would follow. This is how this church started, amen, saints? It's not uncommon. I want to encourage the church tonight on this, on on one of the aspects of this. God uses men to help other men. One of the preferences in society is this, don't tell me what to do. That's, in 2023, it's a real strong preference. Don't tell me what to do, I'll make the decision for myself. That's dangerous for church. That's dangerous for church. It's a preference we have. Hey, I don't like you. You don't have to like me. Stay away from me. I'll make my own decisions. Uh-oh. Something happened. Time out. That's when the coach says, time out. You're not playing as a team. Someone's being a ball hog. Let's, let's regroup. Your teammates. You work together. This was a concern. God established this from the beginning that his presence would dwell with man. Oftentimes, he made it that the presence would dwell with, he would talk to one man and tell that one man, tell someone else to do this. Think about Moses and Aaron. Aaron, the chief of priests. Oftentimes, you see the Lord tell Moses, tell your brother Aaron. He was the priest. He went right into the Holy of Holies. Why couldn't the Lord just tell Aaron? You can ask the Lord that someday. This is how the Lord ordained it. He has men that he uses to help other men. If we get in the way of that, if our pride says, I'm not listening to that man, if the, if the children of people said, I refuse to listen to that man, do you think their life was pleasant? Did they have a good life? You see, one of the tendencies here is to say, I can have the presence of the Lord and I can do my own thing. My preference is this. I want to encourage tonight that sometimes our preferences, though they might be good and holy, we can find themselves opposite of being in the presence of the Lord. Something to think about, saints. Are we living as a church by faith in Jesus Christ? Or do we live according to our own personal preferences? 
Are the pastors, I'll say it like this, being, being a relatively new pastors, are the pastors different in your mind than the body of Christ? Or are we all one body? Some are deacons, some are elders, some are pastors. Or do you put the pastors, that's their job. That's them over there. This is the rest of us. Uh-oh. We're all here together, saints. We're all working together. We're all needed. We all need help. We all need help. In a family structure, if my wife said, kids, we do something different, that's your dad over there. What a dysfunctional family that would be. But if my wife and I are working together to help our kids, what a wonderful family, that, what a wonderful picture the kids see. Mom, can I do this? No. Hey, dad, can I do this? What'd your mom say? Oh, we're working together, teaching the kids this is the way to go training our children. This is the way to go. So when they get older, we hope that they won't depart from it. If nothing else, they'll always remember it. Amen, saints? This is how the church is built. Paul had a concern for the churches that personal preferences would, would, would begin to win out above walking in the presence of the Lord, walking in unity, that personal preferences here in the churches of Galatia will begin to be more important than, say, what does the Lord want, though? Hey, what does the Lord want, though? Hey, brother, I know, I know how you feel, but what does the Lord want? What does the Bible say? Let's go to the Bible and see what the Bible... I, oh, I, know, I know how you feel. You make a really good argument. But what does the Bible say about this? How wonderful that is, and the presence of the Lord can fall in that situation. And peace can be had when that happens. It was a concern for Paul that God's people and for God's house... Was it not? Not to let personal preferences outweigh the leading of the Holy Spirit. The leading of the Holy Spirit should not be disrupted by our personal preferences. It's a real deep topic here in the Word of God as I began to research it. And I want to be an encouragement to us tonight. So don't look at this as a something harsh. It should be an encouragement, a reminder for a church that's growing old in Jesus Christ. 40 years, 45 years, something along those lines. It's a reminder for us. Amen, saints? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The church, it's a wonderful thing, saints. Ordained by God. I hope you love it with all your heart. Jesus, Jesus did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is writing on divisions within the body of Christ. Can I say it like this? He's writing on divisions within the church. He's concerned about it. Here again, a different church, a different location. And here's sort of the same topic. I have a concern. Your preferences over the welfare of the church. In this case, divisions. And the tone of the chapter, if you read this chapter 3, the tone of the chapter seems to show Paul as being sort of firm, as Paul being a little bit harsh and maybe even annoyed. He's a little frustrated here with the church at Corinth in chapter 3. He's not too, he's not too happy with them, if, if that's a word I can use. He's sort of, ah, I got to talk to you about something. Uh, let, me, let me tell you what I'm not happy with right now, what I'm seeing, that type of thing. Do you remember when Brother Bob would get up here and have something harsh to say? We'd all be like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen next? I think the church of Corinth was feeling that a little bit from Paul in this letter. What's going to happen next in this chapter? And at the start of the chapter, Paul writes this. Look at how he starts off. 
And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, ouch, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you were still not able to, for you are still carnal. What a, what a, what a start of a chapter for this church, amen, saints? Oh, I was thinking about that for our church. I don't think we're in the state at all, but I was just thinking, could you imagine if a man of God like Paul walked in here and started a, a lecture like that with us? Oh. Oh. Amen? What a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a disappointment maybe you can say. Maybe they can say, boy, I wish, we were, I wish we were better than this. But Paul came right to the heart of the matter. It was firm and it bothered Paul. Paul wanted to get to the heart of the matter here, and here's why. Paul wanted the church to stop boasting about who their favorite teacher was, who their favorite preacher was. That's what happened here in chapter three. He he was a little irritated with the church. Stop bragging and making arguments for who your favorite preacher is. There was Apollos, there was Paul himself, There was a group in the church saying, I like this preacher. Another group in the church saying, I like that preacher. And it started to cause divisions. People were making arguments for and against this preacher. People were making arguments for and against that preacher. And Paul came onto the scene and said, what is going on in the church? This is not how the church should be behaving. Amen, saints? He wanted the church to instead start, they should have been focusing on a united church front, building and growing the church. Instead, Paul found themselves bickering and arguing about preferences in the church. He did not want them to spend time on things that divided. It hurt Paul to see that the church was spending time on things that divided and separated rather than things that brought them together and blossomed and grew the church. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Who is the needy in church? How can we reach out to the people outside the church? These types of things, church growth, witnessing, evangelism, laying hands on the sick. Instead, they were caught up in preferences. I like this one, and I like that one. It bothered Paul. Paul said, if you, we'll, we'll go through this chapter some. Paul said this behavior was not only futile, but it was carnal. Carnal. You know what carnal means? Fleshly. You know what car- fleshly means? like the world does it. Paul said, this is what the world does to their teachers. This is what the world does to their favorite teachers and lecturers. Some people like this lecturer, and some people like that philosopher, and some people like to hear this one speak. Paul said, this is not how the church is supposed to be, elevating one person above another, putting one preacher over another preacher. This is not how the, united, the church should be united. It causes division, it causes frustra- a frustration. To debate and fight and cause division over personal preference? In this case, what preacher they preferred? To Paul, this was unbelievable. This was how the world does things. Amen, saints? This is not how the born-again Christian should function. And Paul knew that the people's preference are often fouled by their perceived logical arguments. Well, this is why I like this, and this is why We should do that. This is why it should look like this. And this is why Paul knew that the arguments would come next. Let me defend myself, Paul. Paul knew they would back up whatever they preferred. It makes them sound smart and it makes them sound educated. It makes them sound wise. 
Well, let me tell you my defense of why I do this. I'm going to tell you a good defense, Paul, why I chose this one or why I chose that one. But instead of growing, they were floundering. And Paul was concerned, saints. The church becomes inward when that happens. They don't look outward. I mentioned to you about the children of Israel as they saw the cloud. They were all looking outward. They were all looking, what's next, Lord? What do you have next for us? They were all looking at the presence of the Lord. Where does the presence of the Lord lead us next? Where is the presence of the Lord going? Hey, brother, don't you like this guy better? You know what? Let's just worry about the presence of the Lord. Where does the Lord want us? Hey, but don't you think this color would be better over here? Don't you think we should get rid of that brick up there? Great. Let's talk about the presence of the Lord. Will you come up front and pray with me about what we can do next for our community? Will you come up and pray with me to help the needy among our church? There's needy right here in this church, saints. There's needy right here in this church. People need help right here in this church. Not only our community, but right here in this church. Are we worried about the colors of the pews? Are we worried about, am I wearing the right color tie? Are my pants fitting correctly? Or are we worried about, hey, I'm just going to do the right thing for the church, but I want to pray about how I can meet someone in my community. This is what Paul's heart was. Let me focus on what the church desires. Let me focus on what the presence of the Lord wants out of me, not what I want out of myself. And Paul had a concern for the Corinthian church that they could be on their way down. Paul wanted them to pick back up Look up to Jesus. Have faith in Jesus. Later in this chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, you can go there, you're there, Paul speaks in a way to these wise and logical arguments that make worldly sense. They make, make sense to you. Why we should have this or why we should have that. They make sense to you. Paul says this, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in his age or in his own eyes or in the world. In that time period, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Some strong words by the Apostle Paul here, no doubt. Amen, saints? Hey, Corinthians, your logical argument and what makes sense to the world around you and how the church should be and whose rules you should follow, that's dumb to God. That's dumb. When God looks at that, he says that's foolish. The logical argument that you should make, why you should do this or that, God says, Paul saying, God says, that's foolish to God. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Our life is so short. Our life only has so much time in it, saints. Do you know, as Brother Don's been sharing, there's a reward for what you do in this space of your life. If, I'm going to be a real bad example, but if all the way up to the highest part of this church is the line to eternity, and I don't know if you can see it, but that's that's your life and the rest of it's eternity, this part right here tells our reward for up there. That doesn't seem fair. This right here tells how I'll be up here from here on out. If this is 100 years right here, that's 100 years. That 100 years, you mean, Lord? My reward's based on that 100 years for, from here to here? Some people say, I just want to squeeze into heaven. I just want to squeak in. Jesus spent, I counted at least 17 or 18 times where he mentioned the word award, reward, reward, and just his gospels. 
Jesus talks often about a reward. Paul says, run the race, so what? You win it. Don't run it so you become in last place. He doesn't say that. He says, run the race to win it and get the reward. Where do I run that race in? Right there. And guess what? My reward is going to be the rest of this time. Could you imagine being like, I just want to squeak in. No reward for the rest of eternity. Well, that's sort of a bummer. You can't say you didn't know, right? Paul was encouraging the church of Corinth, remember, you have a purpose in the time that you have here together. Don't worry about the little preferences. Worry about what the presence of the Lord is doing in your church. Where does the presence of the Lord want you? Where does the presence of the Lord want you to grow? Where's the need in the church? Where's the need in in the community? Where's the Lord pricking your heart? See, the wonderful thing about us in the New Testament compared to the Old Testament is this. They had to wait and see the presence go down into one man. That man had to come back, come and talk. This is what the Lord says. Today, I could be in my bedroom praying, and the Lord said, go here and talk to this person. Wow. Today, that can happen to each and every one of you. Shouldn't your heart be asking, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, how can I be a blessing to your church today? Lord, how can I, how can I support the members of the church today? You said love each other. How can I love the church better? How can I be a support to the pastors and elders, Lord? Yeah, they think differently than me. Yeah, I might have done some, some things a little bit differently than Brother Ben did it. But hey, Lord, he's the one that's doing their account. How can I do better for him? How can I help him, serve him better so he can reach the community better? See, what a blessing that is when the church is working together. You know, we saw this, as I mentioned, in the Israelites. I'm sort of ping-ponging this a little bit with the Israelites in the Old Testament and what Paul's sharing here in the New Testament. We saw this a little bit with the Israelites constantly up and down. Remember, saints? They come out of Egypt. The horse and rider are thrown into the sea. They're singing a song. They're glorious. They're playing their instruments. We have the Lord took care of us. And it seems like a chapter later, why did we leave Egypt? We should have went back to Egypt. This is so bad. And then they have a miracle. Oh, the Lord is so good. Look at the water he provided. Oh, how wonderful. Look at, oh man, I wish I had quail. I wish I had some meat. Oh, you want some meat? Here, I'll give you meat. Oh, it's too much meat now. It seemed to go on preference after preference after preference. The Lord got fed up with them. I'm going to wring their necks. Moses is like, Lord, don't wring their necks. Then Moses is like, I'm going to wring their necks. The Lord's like, Moses, calm down. <laughs> They're both at times going to wring their necks. The Lord called them a stiff-necked people. They're stiff-necked people. Why were they so stiff-necked? Because they kept choosing preference over the presence of the Lord. Preference over the presence of the Lord. Here's the story of the children of Israel in a nutshell. If you read the Pentateuch, they're basically born in Egypt. They go through wilderness. They hit the tabernacle. They have atonement for their sins. Guess what happens on the other side of atonement? They go back into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. Is that a good summary? Leviticus falls right in the middle of that. Brother Brian said the other day, who reads Leviticus? I actually was in the middle of reading Leviticus when he said that. I'm like, I do. I read Leviticus. Leviticus falls right in the middle. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Right in the middle of Leviticus is the atonement. You have the children of Israel before the atonement. You have the children of Israel after the atonement. 
Guess what happens on either side of the atonement? Wilderness travel. Saints, after you get saved, that's what's going to happen. You don't just, whoop, right up to heaven. You're back in the wilderness. You're on your way to heaven, though. Here's the difference. On your way to becoming born again, you did not have the presence of the Lord. So you behaved a certain way. I'm going to protect myself. I have my preferences. I have my ways. I'm going to do things what I want to do. And then you meet Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says this, you're going to start doing what I want you to do. And you're like, amen. Uh, Lord, I forgive me of all what I've done. I've got to do better. I'm going to start doing everything you want me to do. And then you're back at work the next day. And you're back in the wilderness again, walking. But here's the difference, saints. Instead of going back to my preferences, this is what I'm going to do, though. This is, I've always been this way. This is what makes me angry. Now we have the presence of the Lord. Now we can say, Jesus, I need help. And he helps you. Jesus, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And he gives you direction. See, this is the same thing with the church. The church, before, they had to wait for one man to tell them. Then Jesus Christ came. And Jesus Christ said this, I'm going to give you all the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you leaders, elders, and deacons. I'm going to give you pastors to help you, prophets to speak for the future. You're going to work together as a team. It's not going to be just Moses by himself. It's going to be a team of people, the body to Christ collectively working together in the wilderness so you're not alone anymore. You're not by yourself anymore. You can say, you know what? I'm disappointed. I'm going to get to church tonight because I'm going to worship the Lord. Because tonight, I know I'm going to worship the Lord. This is what the church does for the body of Christ. We're still in a wilderness travel, saints. We haven't made it like Sister Jean might soon. Heaven, heaven awaits. Her wilderness travel with the presence of the Lord is almost over. We don't know how much time we have, this much time. But the presence of the Lord needs to direct our steps. Amen, saints? In Exodus chapter 33, let's go there. I hope you're encouraged by this message. The church can grow. Personal preferences sometimes get in the way. What we think is best, what we want, what we think should happen, what the world says looks like it should happen. It can intimidate us. Well, we don't want to look out of different, Lord, too much. Can we, we don't want to look too different, Lord. I'm going to start, I, I wish we were like this or like that. This is what the Lord says. Trust my presence. I will lead you. Haven't he's led us these 40 years? 45 years, saints, as a church? Hasn't he led us with wonderful pastors who have done their best to seek the Lord? Amen? You don't know it. You don't see me praying. I know you don't. I want to tell you, I pray for you daily. Sometimes a couple times a day. Sometimes three times a day. I pray for the church. I pray for you all. I know you don't see it, but I know Pastor Byron does too because I talk to him. You might think, oh, those guys are rogue. We're not rogue. We're sold on helping the church get to heaven. The elder team, I know, I talk to all of them. They're sold on helping the church get to heaven. You might not know that. You might not see it. You might not hear it. We hear your complaints. We hear your concerns. We hear your frustrations. But remember, the presence of the Lord has to lead us. The presence of the Lord has to guide us. Without the Lord leading, what will we become? Followers of who? Pick who you want. And you'll be discouraged. I'm telling you, I will let you down. 
But if you pray that the Lord has his way in my life, if I pray that the Lord has his way in your life, what blessings we could have as a church moving forward in Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 33, Moses and the Lord are talking here again. And the Lord's telling Moses, hey, you have to get up and move and I'm gonna bring you into the promised land and I'm gonna send an angel before you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy all the people before you. And Moses is like, time out. Lord, an angel? You're gonna send an angel before us? This stiff-necked people? Time out. I'm not, I, I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this, Lord. He says this in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 33. If you're pleased with me, Lord, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this is your nation, your people. Moses said, Lord, it's not about my preference. It's about you. I'm gonna hold you to it. We are your people. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. And angels are gonna go before us. Lord, you, you are my God. You are our, you are our leader. You're Jehovah. You're our protector. You're our provider. You go before us. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us. What an example. Church, this should be our example. That's what happens when we walk in the presence of the Lord. We get rest. There's rest in the church. There's peace in the church. The church functions appropriately. It's not about personal preferences here. An angel was going to go before them. The Lord says, I'll send, do you think that angel would lose? No way. The Lord's not going to send an angel that's going to lose. He said, I'll send the angel. He named a whole bunch of nations that he's to, the angel would defeat as they marched on their way to the promised land. Moses was like, That's, I, I can't do that. I want your presence. I want your presence. I want you to lead us. The Lord was pleased in that. The Lord accepted that. Church, if we cry out to the Lord, Lord, we want your presence. I have my preferences, Lord. We want presence over preference. The Lord's presence over our preference. The Lord's work in our church over what we think should happen. Look it, if it's that concern, pray about it. Come and talk to me about it. Let's pray together about it. And as the Lord moves, we'll change it. But changing it out of knee-jerk reactions, something in the church that concerns, we can find ourselves no different than the church at Corinth. Some believing this way, some believing that way. Let's turn to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 11. What did Jesus Christ think about this? Are you following me, saints? Am I making sense to you? I hope this is encouraging. I know I said that a couple times, but you're so quiet. Makes me nervous. But maybe it's just the different, the distance here. Sometimes it's hard to hear. This, in Matthew chapter 11, at that time, Jesus said, in verse 25, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father. Here's Jesus praying. Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Do you see a, a similarity here between what we read in, in, in uh, Corinthians and Paul? Paul said, you take Corinthians, you try to be wise in this world, and you're little babes in Christ. 
But Jesus is saying, Lord, I thank you, take the wise thing, and you made little babes wise. Jesus was saying the opposite. He said, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. You see, God was pleased to give his presence and his knowledge to his people. This is why he sent Jesus Christ. God was pleased. He was pleased. Do you see that answer in in Moses when Moses said, I'm not doing this alone? God was pleased to dwell with I, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. All things, it says in verse 27, have been committed to me by my Father. Saints, all things were given to Jesus. Everything was given to Jesus. Everything. Do you understand that? That's power. Everything. He should have ended the world as we know it. Everything was given to Jesus. And you know what he wanted to do? Help the people out. He wanted to be with the people. He wanted his presence to be with the people. Look what he says in verse 28. If you're wondering, does the Lord care about me? Does Jesus Christ care about me? Does Jesus Christ want his presence in me? Look at verse 28. Come to me. Can you just see that now with Moses and God, the same, the same behavior, the same God in the Old Testament. Lord, I'm not doing this alone. Moses, I'm coming to you. Come to me. I will be your protector. Look what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who weary and are burdened. And what does he say? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Saints, here's my point to my word tonight. If you're coming to church and your preferences are bothering you, certain preferences are bothering you, you know what they do? Jesus said, and the God, his father, behave like this. Serving the Lord should be restful, it should be easy, and it should be light. If you come to church and you're restless, you're uneasy, something's not right. If you come to church and it seems like a burden to you to get here, ah, uh, church again, ah, uh, Ben again, ah, uh, it could be a burden. Something's not right. Something's not right. If you come to church and it feels heavy, you look at another brother across from you and you go, ah, oh, that brother, ah. Uh. This is not what the Lord intended of church. Coming to the Lord, the presence of the Lord gives this rest to his people. The presence of the Lord does this, makes life ah, a breath of fresh air. Hey, Lord, I had a bad day today, but with you, I'm on my way to eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. Thank you for another day, Lord, that I did not fall back into my sin. That's victory. You see, that's, that's rest. That's ease. That's, that's living life lightly. See, Paul was going back to the Corinthian church thinking, you're all burdened. There's division. Division causes weight. Division causes heaviness. When there's personal preferences involved, it causes people to be like this. I'm not listening to you. I'm not opening my Bible. I'm not looking at you. I'm not doing anything for you. What about Jesus? What, do you see what you just did when you did that? Because of a personal preference. Jesus is up here being like, uh, I want to be with you. I want to take that from you. I want to give you rest. And you say, no, my personal preference is this. This is what we should do. I'm not doing anything until I get my personal preference. 
uh-oh, the presence of the Lord will stay hovering above the camp instead of drawing into the camp. And that's my word for tonight, saints. Be careful about personal preferences. We know they're important. We want you to have them. The church, each other, I bet if you talk to your neighbors, we all want to have your accomplishment and your personal preferences. But remember, the presence of the Lord has to lead us. The presence of the Lord has to guide you. Coming to church is important. Being active in church is important. Supporting what the church does is important to Jesus Christ. We have a church that meets four times a week. I'll say it again. We have Wednesday night prayer service. Saints, that's important. That's important. The Lord keeps track of our Wednesday night, our Sunday night prayer service. Did I say Wednesday night? I meant to say Sunday night prayer service. The Lord keeps track. I want to encourage you, not for anything else. Look at, I don't know who comes and who does. I don't remember who came and who doesn't come. But really, the Lord does. You have this much time to show the Lord you care. Lord, I'm sold out for you. I'm sold out for everything you do. You have that much time to show the Lord. It's real. It's real. It's real. The Lord says, I'm going to separate the sheep and the goats. I'm going to separate the sheep and the goats. The one on my right hand and the one on my left. And he tells them, you fed me when I was hungry. You gave me drink when I was thirsty. You know he says that to both the sheep and the goats? Except this, to the goats he says, you didn't do it. The sheep, you clothed me. You took in a stranger. You gave me food and drink. You, you remembered me when I was sick and imprisoned. You prayed for me. You took care of me. But to the goats, he said, you don't do that. You don't remember. You didn't pray for me. You didn't pray for the sick. You, and you know what they both say, what's really interesting in that account? You know what both the sheep and the goats say, the righteous and the unrighteous say? They both say the exact same thing. It's, it's really amazing. They both say this to Jesus Christ. When did we do that? Even the righteous say, when did we give you a drink? Isn't that interesting? Even the unrighteous say this, when were you thirsty? See, they had no idea. Here's the difference. One was being led by the presence of the Lord. One was following their shepherd, and as they followed their shepherd, they gave drink. They helped clothe, because it naturally happened, because they were following their shepherd. Sheep follow a shepherd. And that's what happened. The goats, goats were on their own thing. I'll go to church tonight. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. That person's sick. Nah, they'll be okay. I was sick. No one came and visited me. Oh, prayer. I'll get to prayer when I can. And both of them had the same response. Lord, when, when, did, when did we take in a stranger? I don't remember taking in a stranger. The unrighteous say, Lord, when did we not take in a stranger? The righteous, when did we take in a stranger? You know what the difference is? The reward. One got cast into outer darkness and the other one was welcomed right up to heaven. And they had no idea that they did it. Isn't that amazing? They had no idea that they did it or they didn't do it. Yikes, that really put a pressure on my heart to encourage our church. Let's let the presence of the Lord lead us because as the presence of the Lord lead us, we'll do things that he wants us to do that we don't even know that we're doing them. And then when we get to heaven someday, we'll find out, here is your reward. Thank you for taking care of that Syracuse community. How do we do it, Lord? You're in heaven. Just thank you. What a blessing it is. And that's my encouragement for the church tonight. Stay focused on what the presence of the Lord wants you to do, not your own preferences. Lord, help us to serve you with all of our hearts. Help us to pour ourselves out before you because you did that for us. Help us to serve you with a full heart, a head of steam, 
on fire for you, filled with your Holy Ghost, excited for what you have to do in us next. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Have a great night. Be blessed in Jesus.